Welcome to the Workplace Chameleon. My name is Dr. Selena Pierman. I'm really glad you're here. Who loves a good story? Did you grow up listening to stories? Were they stories told through books, over campfires, told by grandparents or loved ones, or maybe you with the storyteller? There is something about a really good storyteller that has always intrigued me. How they can draw you into a tale and literally make you feel it because of how they share and reveal the parts one by one. Recently, this has been on my mind with companies I'm spending time with. I've paid particular attention to the stories that are told internally the ones that keep getting repeated over and over, employee to employee, and how they might even form and change over time. Even the ones that are told after the meeting that I was in. Can you picture this? Can you think of a time you were in a meeting and you left the meeting and you heard the story that was told? I have recently found myself literally (laughs) scratching my head and, and wondering, was I just in the same room when that happened, where the story was being formed? Because the story that's being told after the meeting doesn't really match what I experienced. It has been long studied that stories are one of the biggest influences of culture. And in all cultures that we grow up in and are shaped by, stories are a central component for passing on values, practices, beliefs, and language. Consider for a moment today what stories get repeated in your company. For example, if There is one that is always told to new hires. It's the one they tend to hear everybody every time someone starts with your organization. What stories get told over and over again about a customer, a department, a mistake that was made, or even a formal leader? The subjects or topics list could go on and on. Lately, I'm particularly interested in what I will call false narratives or incorrect stories. They are the ones that seem to not only evolve over time, but spin out of control to eventually became a, to become a core or central identity for a team or even for a whole organization, and yet the story itself is incorrect. As individuals, we make choices about what stories we receive and believe. And I've watched incorrect statements get weaved into false narratives that people consume as whole truth. Well, we certainly see this in our wider society, and there is no way I can begin to tackle that topic today. Let's look at organizations and more specifically your role and what you can do. It might 
feel rebellious to counter a story that seems to have wide popularity and even question the message it appears to represent, that can feel awkward and and even unpopular or just you're not sure. Like you might be digging up conflict if you say something like, hmm, that's not how I remember it. Or, oh, I I didn't see it that way. I am increasingly concerned as I watch false narratives shape organizations and some with truly the potential to make or break the future viability of a company. There are wonderful critical thinking publications and strategies out there that can help us stretch our brains and reshape the way we process information, if we become aware of the patterns and what we call thinking errors. And I'm really convinced the world likely needs a few more classes on critical thinking. You'll recognize a few, and I'll only mention a couple for today. I've mentioned others in some of our previous podcasts, like bandwagon error, when Everybody jumps on an idea, right? Bandwagon error happens when something is said to be true or good simply because it's popular. So we all jump onto the idea, the bandwagon, because it's true or good. And how could it be wrong? There are other stories that I see pop up in organizations that appeal to tradition or practices that have been in place for a long time. And therefore, they appeal because they draw in. And it must be good because it's always been like that. Or it must be bad because it's always been like that. So sometimes our thinking air when it comes to stories is around tradition and practices. A third one I'll note for today is the appeal to ignorance. It's a thinking error that happens when it is said that an argument must be true if it cannot be proven false or it's false if it cannot be proven true. Organizational memories are tricky. Human memories are full of fallacies that get all mixed up in many sorts of reasons. Now, multiply that by 25 or 100 or 2,000 people or 20,000 people in a company. It's no wonder we've got some stories going on. And I will forever be curious about company historical memories and the amount of them that are really told for ego or appeal or bandwagon, as we just mentioned, ignorance, and more. And one more source of all of this, you'll recognize the way the stories get translated through grapevines and rumor mills, what I call the adult telephone game. I mentioned just a moment ago one of the other sources for these, and that's ego. It makes us feel better to complain. I learned a long time ago a version in early Chinese characters that identified two symbols to represent complaining. 
They were the symbols hug and ego. That complaining was simply a way to give your ego a hug, and I couldn't agree more. It feels so good to tell stories of complaint or sacrifice, martyrdom in some organizations, of trial and challenges we have. And I'm not saying that those aren't legit concerns. And yet, to what end? Is it to learn from what the story is teaching us? Or is it to perpetuate a fallacy, notion, or perspective that serves to support our own individual goals, decisions, position on a team? As you consider that for a few minutes today, I'll always pull us back to then what? So part one is what am I seeing in companies right now? And that's a lot of stories being told. And we need to tell good stories, right? We need to pay attention to the narratives in our teams and in our organizations and keep the stories going that help us achieve the goal and get the win and feel connected. But we've got to safeguard ourselves to the stories that perpetuate incorrect information or inaccurate recording of events that continue to do damage. Meanwhile, what can you do? Number one, pay attention to the stories you tell. When I do uh, training on emotional intelligence, I love pointing out that The emotion continues as long as we tell the story. So if I tell it to person number one and I'm getting it out of my system and I'm venting the story in a way that gets that out so I can deal with it and that person is responsive and hears me and we have the conversation and I'm able to work through that emotion to get a plan in place, if I continue to repeat that story over and over to other people, I am not now doing what I need to do as a professional. I'm stirring the pot. There's a difference between venting and stirring the pot. So even paying attention to the stories you tell, are they good stories that help bring people together, that focus on the goal or the mission, that help people understand really the hero's journey, right? In good campfire, grandparent, childhood books, stories. There was a goal, there was a purpose, there was a hero, there was a plan. It did something for us. So pay attention to the stories you tell. What is the purpose you're telling the story? What is the goal of telling the story? And how will this help you shape the narrative? Number two, reflect on the stories you listen to. How does what you said, how was, excuse me, what was said match to your experience? What other perspectives might be accessed to learn more or see it in new ways? And this is hard because when you've got somebody telling you a story, about a former leader or for a customer or a situation that happened, 
and you know it to not be true or fully representative of the situation or incomplete, that's a really hard pushback to be able to say, huh, I don't remember it that way. Or, hmm, that's intriguing. I think I see it a little bit differently. It's hard to push back on those stories. But what's interesting to me and watching this happen in organizations lately, when we have brave people who speak up and say, I don't think that is the whole story or that's simply not true and here's why and here's what happened. We've got some challenges though. Sometimes we can't tell the why. Sometimes confidential information is prevents us from being able to disclose what really happened. And I'll go back to the phrase I love, in the absence of information, people make it up. In the absence of information, people make it up. So when we don't have details and the memory is fallible, we fill some stuff in, especially when it gets tied to emotion. So number one, pay attention to the stories you tell. Number two, reflect on the stories you listen to. When do you have opportunity to debrief on that, influence that, and really consider our number three, find an opportunity to shift the dialogue? If we don't know, if it can't be checked or verified, and it potentially may not really even matter anymore, what are your choices It's really our opportunity at that point to shift the conversation. Acknowledge that indeed, this is a story that has been told for a long time to many. And maybe you're just not sure it's relevant anymore. Seek to put new practices in place. Can you help direct thinking forward and not backwards? So I want to share with you... uh, a section that I've been using in some recent training that gets tied with this, but as a way to bring up a conversation with uh, in a team setting or one-on-one, if you're working with a project, a customer, a client, maybe you're working through some sort of conflict or challenge, or you just heard a story in the context we're using it today, that just doesn't seem to match maybe what the goal is or what the effort is that's being made on whatever initiative you're working on. So number one, I always want to ask, what do we care about? What are the goals of the situation? So what are the goals of those involved? What do the parties care about most? If that person's relaying a story, I can I can find out. So what is really important for you in that story? What what does that story or that long-standing narrative do for us? And then you can clarify, if I have understood correctly, you would both or we would both like to see X, right? So for the people involved, what are the goals and what do they care about? You can also use a phrase back, it seems your priority is dot, dot, dot. And it's also important for me to dot, dot, dot. But it's a way to get out. What are our goals in this situation? So you're starting to shift the dialogue away from the story and going into the future. 
So what are our goals? What do we care about? What do we value? What's our mission? And back to my statement, if I've understood correctly, we would both like to see dot, 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 or it seems your priority is, and it's important for me to dot, 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 right? It just gives us a way to start shifting the conversation. Secondly, I need to understand the positions, the needs, and the resources. For you to shift that forward, what would need to happen for everyone to reach those goals? What is possible and what roadblocks exist? Who is available to help? And what additional resources are needed to make this happen? For this to work, we need to dot, 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 include, update, involve, connect, allocate. What are you most concerned about as we move through our options? So now you're taking whatever that narrative was and you're shifting it to moving ahead. Who's involved? What are the needs? What are the resources? What potential roadblocks exist? Number three, agree on next steps. What do potential pathways look like? What timeline is possible and how will we know progress as well as success? For example, it looks like we have blank options. We have two options and they are. And if we work together on this, we could see a resolution by and a date or a time or a different milestone. And I always love asking the question, when would you like to check in to make sure we are on track? So not only are we agreeing on next steps, on moving forward, but we're going to have some regular check-ins to make sure we're still on track. Because the last step to that is to stay connected and follow up. How will we know if we are still aligned? And if a gap develops, how will it be addressed? What follow-through is needed to sustain progress? How should we communicate once this is in play? What will we see if this is successful? And what would be some signs we need to get back together to adjust our plan? I believe that we've got a lot of stories, a lot of narratives being told in our organizations that are holding us back. And while I will always hold leaders, formal leaders, to a higher standard on shifting that narrative, it really is part of everybody's responsibility to own their own stories and to really recognize why they tell them. What does it do for you? How they consume them, how they receive them from others, and then what you focus on. Until next time, thank you for tuning in. Let's do this better. Thank you.